Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify approved course, 1000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For those of you who haven't listened to the last few episodes, and I've been saying this every week, my name is Nick. I'm the CEO here at Just Ask Parker, and I'm the new host of the Winning with Shopify podcast. We've had lots of best wishes and bits coming in for Caroline, who used to run the podcast. She's had a baby, and her and the baby are both doing incredibly well. I've seen some incredibly cute pictures she's been sending out to the rest of the team at Just Ask Parker. So if anyone's asking about Caroline, she's doing absolutely brilliantly. Both her and the baby are incredibly well. And she's going to be back to do some podcasts in the future as well. So it's not goodbye from her publicly at all. She's still very much part of the business, and uh, we're looking forward to having her back in the next few months as well. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go and check out the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Amazon Podcasts, which I think we're now live. We clicked the button a couple of weeks ago, so I think we're going out on there. We've got thousands of listeners every week. We're posting every Friday. So if you haven't already, please do go and subscribe um, and make sure you support the group through the Winning with Shopify group on Facebook as well. Uh, There's some really good conversations going on there. Myself, Caroline, and lots of the other team are on there as well. So feel free to ask us some questions and we can uh, jump in. But without further ado, I'm sure loads of you are tuning in today from the title that we've put onto this podcast, which I'm incredibly excited about. Today, we're going to be talking about mastering Facebook advertising with Kevin from Voy Media. So Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Yeah, good. We're having a very weird summer, aren't we? In terms of holidays and lots of people are away, but not away, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to this with my brother yesterday and we're just like, wow, it's crazy that summer's almost over, but like didn't really even feel like summer. I know what you mean. And in the UK, certainly where we're based, we've all been going on sort of long weekend adventures rather than just jumping on a plane for two weeks, laying in the sun and coming back. It's, uh, I've explored my own hometown a lot more as well. Found those nice walks and stuff. So uh, good. It's been a really weird year, but trying to make the best of a really bad situation. I think like, uh, like most people. Same. Like even for me, I, I recently, cause I, I was living in Victoria was another part of Queens. But then during this pandemic, right at the same time, I was closing on a new condo. And yeah, so like I've been able to explore like Brooklyn where I, where I live now, which is great. Just like looking at everything. And the first month or so was probably like everything was closed. So that was kind of like really bad. But now everything's like opening up again. Uh, we're, at least here in New York City, we have like a lot of street dining, which is like they never do. Like at other countries, it's like, like they do it all the time. But here it was like, oh my God, it's like a crazy thing. Like let's go explore now again. So. It's interesting, isn't it? Like just just on that point before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, just it's interesting how businesses are responding, aren't they? And like you say, like doing kind of like street dining, as you guys call it, or we call it eating out in the UK. Or there's certainly been restaurants near my office where I've I've been working as much as I can, where they've just moved all the chairs from the inside to the outside, so it's in the open. It's more COVID secure, which is the buzzword of England right now. But yeah, it's been weird how different businesses are responding. Some have given up. 
most though I, I think have just adapted to the situation i mean how, how have you found things with with the pandemic yeah i feel like it's crazy like small i mean you probably know too small businesses are so res- resilient to stuff like that which is crazy like and I was actually telling this with my other friend too, like businesses like us, we're trying to do whatever we can to make it work. Whereas you see these big companies, you know, something like Airbnb, they have millions of dollars in the bank and yet they're laying off people. And I don't think that's right, right? Because they have all this money, but yet small businesses are trying to get the loans out to keep employees. So that's something that I I think about. I'm just like, that's so crazy how these big companies that you look and, and trust are just the ones that are actually not keeping employees even though they have millions in the bank, right? I guess the guys making the decisions are so much further removed, aren't they, from the, the people on the ground? So it's like, I mean, it's the same in lots of different walks of life. The bigger the organization is, certainly if you look at governments, you know, the decisions they make might, I, I guess their target is always to help 51%. Certainly in the West, you know, like it's the kind of democratic approach. Let's make sure 51% of people are happy and, and that's our job done. Whereas if you think 49% of people then could be at risk, not looked after, so actually, if there was a 20% unemployment in a single country, that's a huge amount of unemployment. Yet to a government, that might be a success story. You know, and occasionally things like that make the front page where it's like, we were only aiming to keep 60% of the population alive. And it's like, what? <laughs> you know, like 100% is your remit. So crack on with that, you know. So. Yeah. First tangent in the first couple of minutes, which is brilliant. Anyway, so we're going to be talking today about Facebook advertising with you, Kevin. But before we just dive into that, and I'm sure this will cover it as well, tell us a bit about your business, Boy Media. Yeah. So like I said, thanks for having me, Nick. My name is Kevin Urutia here, one of the founders of Boy Media. And here at Boy Media, we really help e-commerce and like a lot of digital products scale with paid media. And that includes anything like direct-to-consumer we're doing a lot of supplements now. So like if you're like a supplement brand, we, we can help you with that as well. And then basically what we do is Facebook ads is our main sort of bread and butter. And then sort of how really where we come in as a team, it's if you have a product, if you have an offer that's already doing well online, we can come in and help sort of scale that and grow that. And really where we come in, it's obviously the media buying of managing your Facebook ads and campaigns, but at the same time, helping you with the creative output um, that includes ad copy, but also video production, video video design, and sort of the video ads that you might need after you're spending a lot of money, right? So if you're spending anywhere between like 5 to 10K a day, you just need more creatives and more videos. And that's where we come in and sort of help you with that because we just you basically need agency like us to go with ideas or just different hooks or angles to sort of test, right? But that's sort of like what we do here at Boy Media. And then again, I also host a a podcast called Digital Marketing Fastlane. And really, this podcast, we do interviews with other founders, uh, e-commerce businesses, but at the same time, we talk about different strategies that are working well. And it's almost like 90% Facebook ads, but we try to also make it about just e-commerce marketing in general and more marketing in general because like any business, you need marketing no matter what what type of it is. So we'd like to sort of talk about just ideas that we think are going to help, be helpful for your brand or business to grow. Sure thing. And I think anybody listening today, please do go and check out his podcast. I'm going to be featuring on it shortly as well. We sort of decided to do a bit of a swap. I'll interview you, you interview me, and we'll, uh, we'll sort of see where we land. So please do go and check it out. You know, I've, uh, I've seen some incredibly good reviews of it. I've listened to a few episodes and, you know, it's been an amazing, amazing outlet. Certainly again, as you say, on the Facebook advertising side of stuff to have such a niche podcast that focuses on something so specific where we've tried to go a bit more broad given what we do as a business and also the sort of listeners that we've picked up over the years. But again, I think having a niche podcast, even if you just look and listen to a few episodes, I think it's so useful just to plug in. And as you say, get some fresh ideas, understand how things are going. And the thing with Facebook marketing, which we'll come onto a bit as we uh, as we talk more, but the thing with Facebook marketing is it's a nightmare knowing where to start. And then even if it does work, 
knowing what to do next and how, as you say, how to scale it, how to create enough content without building your own design studio internally and just employing hundreds of people. It's, I think, certainly being able to couple into something that can help you answer some of those questions. And obviously, the best thing about podcasts, obviously, is they're free. So you can plug into as many as you want. I started podcasting with something unique because I just love podcasts in general. And I was like, oh, like, I just learned so much. Whenever I think about, whenever I have a problem or issue, like how to grow my business, I just go to iTunes and type in that. Okay, let me see what other people are talking about, right? And then that sort of helps me learn because I'm like, hey, they're free. Like people are just giving their great advice. And it's like kind of like a mini book chapter that you're just getting for, for free. Sure thing. And I, I do a similar thing where it's, it's normally when I'm struggling with something, if I'm like really stressed or I don't know what to do with the business next, you know, ju- jump straight. And as you say to iTunes or onto Spotify, find a good podcast, find a good audio book and just, just get plugging with it. You know, and if it's rubbish, sometimes that can be good as well because even a rubbish book. I, I listened to one recently that an audio book, and I won't name it because it's quite famous and lots of people like it. It just didn't work for me. But I got a lot out of it, not because of what it said, but it challenged a lot of things. And it made me sit there and go, why don't I agree with that? Or, okay, why not? And then realign things anyway. So I got the desired outcome. It was just a slightly more painful way of getting there rather than just turning something on going, yeah, I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to you know, give me all the answers. But then I'm not really that kind of person anyway. If someone gave me all the answers, it would, I'd probably start thinking, is this too good to be true? Like, you know, I just, I need something a bit more than that. Again, I think podcasting and audiobooks are just such a good resource for, for that kind of thing. Yeah, I love podcasting. Cool. Well, it's good. It's good that you're on a podcast saying that as well. If you were saying the opposite, we'd have a major issue <laughs> in terms of what we're launching today. But anyway, let's, let's dive into Facebook ads. So we've spoken a bit about you and a bit about what's going on. But I think, again, a lot of people are going to be listening to this and thinking, right, Kevin, give us the gold. Give us what's going on. So what are some of the keys, do you think, or the key things to success with Facebook advertising? If we start from the word go then, so you're launching your first campaign, what are some of the key things you need to get in line to make sure it's a success? I think some of the key things for Facebook success has to be that, number one, it's it's really about having an offer or product that you, that you know has wide appeal. I think it's super important for any sort of product or offer that you have. For example, fitness products do really well on Facebook. Supplements, again, do really well on Facebook because there's so many people that need that sort of product or that solution. Another great thing that I think people need to really think about in the beginning, it's you need to think about Facebook as a way to validate your product or idea or the offer that you have. Really, when we work with brands or businesses, it's more about like they spend a good amount of money on Facebook, maybe anywhere between 20 to 30K before they come to us and like that, right? Where if you're just starting off, I always tell people the key to success on something like Facebook ads or any other channel, really, it's about you, the founder, the owner, looking at the platform, trying to figure it out and really understanding how to market your product on it because that will make you understand if your product can actually be sold on Facebook. So if it can't, then the agency or any sort of freelancer really can't come in and help you. I always tell people like, hey, if, if you have not done any sort of testing yourself on the platform and then you go hire somebody else and then that freelancer, the agency fails, then you don't think it's your product, you think it's a freelancer, right? Where a lot of people are using them as an excuse to sort of not test their validation of the product. So for us, that's why I'm saying we only work with brands that at least have done a few hundred thousand maybe on Facebook ads already because then we want to scale you up versus try to figure out if the price will be able to be sold on Facebook. Um, but another key thing to success on Facebook is really be thinking about the content and the create and the content that you can make for the Facebook ads. Facebook is a very visual platform. So I think it's always great if in-house you hire somebody that can do photography, videography, because that's going to help you with your Facebook ads and campaigns. Sure. And I think two really good points. And certainly the first one, I'm glad you've said that because we posted my latest podcast on this podcast last week. And I was talking about basically how to be a good client. And it was off the back of getting four emails back to back into 
both Parker and Spec, both of my businesses, got four emails in the space of about two days, all saying like, we've, we've spent thousands on marketing, it hasn't worked. And, and to be honest with you, the, the first thing I thought is, well, there's one consistent factor here, and that's you. So whatever it is, is it, you know, as you say, is it the product? Is it the creative? Is it the fact that you've spent it in the wrong place? Like, and then it's, I think for, from our point of view, it's always really difficult to want to help people out enough. But also, as you say, in terms of make sure you spent a certain amount first, has, has enough testing gone on that it's therefore worth our time to dive in and go, yeah, we will find why this hasn't worked or we'll find what is working and scale that. Otherwise, you're just going to scale your problem. So like one lady I spoke to, she was sort of saying like, you know, I spent thousands of marketing. It's just not worked for me. When I looked at it, it was all working really well. And actually what she needed to focus on really was customer service. Customers were complaining. So she had so many returns that customers weren't happy. And as you say, it's not the freelance or the agency's fault at all. And actually, I therefore don't want the contract because I don't want to sit in that seat where we're now at fault because we've just inherited a bad product to try and sell or a product that's too good to be true. And then you order it and then it arrives and it was too good to be true. So you return it and it's really difficult to return. So you complain and then you complain. It still doesn't go anywhere. And you know, the, the cycle starts. So if you haven't already, check out my previous podcast, everyone. Just It was all about how to be a good client, how to find the right problems, and then kind of scale it up. But I'm sure you've had some scenarios like that in the past, Kevin, yeah. where you've had that kind of brief. And, ex- and no, it's, it's so funny you're saying that because we literally just had that happen like almost last week. We were working with a client. I, but this is like, this is the opposite spectrum where the client's great. We love working with them. We're spending about 5 to 10K a day right now on the product. But the issue is now the platform that we're driving traffic to is just crashing. So then we're not getting any sales. Yeah. So then obviously our returns look bad, but the client, he knows, and he's just like, Hey guys, just like, just letting you guys know, like, I don't want to scale the spend down because stuff is working, but we're getting failing orders on our backend because our processing system is, is down. Right. And that's truly where a client understands the value of the ads. Just say, Hey, let's keep running it because the customers want it. But then again, same time, we're seeing comments saying, Hey, I can't buy. Hey, like, how come I can't answer their emails? Right. But that's like because they're just have scaling issues and they're well aware of that. And they're trying to, they're asking us for advice, which is great. Saying, Hey guys, we're having all these comments on Facebook ads. How do we manage them? <laughs> right. So that is a customer that really is great to work with. And we love working with him. And, and but that's, yeah, it's like, it's what you said. It's like there's, there's Facebook ads that we do, but then there's also the other part that is actually like the business owner needs to be well aware of. And they need to know how to deal with it and handle it internally, right? So for example, some businesses are like, oh, the platform's down. It's like, okay, like I want to know what to do. They're actively trying to research different platforms, how to scale up because they want to spend even more money, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, that's exactly the thing, isn't it? About like scaling problems. So if your order system's falling down now, mm-hmm. but the plan is to double the budget, well, you're going to have double the amount of failed orders, potentially more. You know, if the platform can only handle 100 in an hour and you're trying to put 1,000 through and you're going to double it to 2,000, then... Or you're going to have 2,000 orders that you're paying to market, to advertise, to get enough people in. That's then you're still only going to have this bottleneck of 100 orders. I think from my experience, I'd say it's good that the client knows what the problem is and where it is. Because that sounds like quite a quick fix. If you know it's that specific order system, well, let's just go back to email for a week while we fix it. Because if we just have emails coming in telling us there's been an order, then at least we can still take them. And we can employ some people for that week or just on a contract to, to fulfill it. Or we can get some warehousing staff to work a few extra hours, give them a few extra dollars to do so. And I think, you know, as you say, it's absolutely critical that you find out what those problems are. Otherwise, and you know, I've seen businesses do it so much where they just scale a problem. It's like, this isn't working, but we're scaling it to then not work at a bigger scale. I used to think about WeWork. WeWork's very controversial in the UK that they, you know, they don't make a huge amount of money, 
certainly don't make any profit at the moment, but they've got a massive real estate fortune. And it's like they're constantly being talked about going bankrupt and they keep getting bailed out by people. And I'm sort of there going, well, if it wasn't working at one WeWork place or 10 or 100, how is it going to work at however many places they've got now? You know, it's again, I, I'm, not, I'm not in that business model enough to know what their overall aim is. I think it's just to build an asset and sell it based on it being an asset as opposed to it being a, you know, being an actual profit driving thing that lots of other businesses miss out in the meantime. And it's, yeah, it can potentially be quite damaging. The same with, you know, obviously, as you say, a platform going down, the freelancer, the agency, they lose a good client from doing a good job because the client themselves have something that falls over or the product's not good enough. Or, you know, as you say, the way the systems work, just if it all falls apart. Exactly. It's, WeWork is also interesting. I, I also think about it too. I'm like, I don't know how this company keeps getting new buildings. And it's just interesting that people think about it. Like, oh my God, we were such a great company. I'm like, it's a great company, but like they're losing money. And like, they're just like keep getting bailed out from like every country they're in, right? Yeah. Was it Japan last time? Japan was like the latest bailout, I think, or Japanese Japanese firm that bailed them out globally for like a couple of billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, SoftBank, right? Yeah, it was SoftBank. SoftBank is like... Sure. They, yeah, I think SoftBank invested like a few billion and then their, their valuation of the company went like to half. I think... I think WeWork is an interesting one because like the, they tried to IPO in the US and people are like, exactly like, I don't think this business makes any money. And then they IPO'd and like, obviously, you know, like all the financial docs came out. We're like, yeah, like this company's worth nothing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, it's, it's worth a lot because of asset, but the assets it's worth are offset by bigger, bigger negative assets, which is the, is the debt they owe for those yeah. buildings, like the mortgages and, you know, whatever else for the, for the real estate. So yeah, it's, it's mad. And it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's like, Another thing too, it's like goes goes back to what we were saying before. It's like I think having a great founder is great. Like if you look at the WeWork founder, like he was just taking money off the company, like every chance he got. Yeah, and that's a like, I think people need to read that story and say like, hey, it's great that you can take off money, but like that was like a different level of like taking off money. Like he would like rent his own apartments to to his own company so they can pay him. It's like crazy. <laughs> yeah, and in the UK, there's a word for that, and it's called fraud. <laughs> so there's. Yeah. We're, our tax system here is very tight, so we can't get away with that kind of stuff. But uh, it's yeah. it, it, it's so dodgy. And I think we've all been in that cycle where we are desperate for cash and you kind of your business is starting to make a little bit. And it's like, well, I need to take some out because I have to put food on the table tonight. But also, like, we've all been in that scenario. But yeah, where he was sitting was not that scenario. He wasn't living hand to mouth. He was living like gold mine to bank. You know, it's kind of like... And I, I think it's, it's good that he's gone. However, I did also... I read that financially he was a bit of a bit of a numpty with that, you know, didn't didn't manage it very well. But I've also read that he did did manage the business side itself incredibly well, like convincing, you know, it's sort of like, you know, convincing people to buy into the business and rent out their buildings via WeWork, a massive cut rate on a hundred year contract. You know, like he has done well. And I think that the model itself is exciting and people obviously want the end product, that office space with the beer on tap and all this. But equally it's, you know, as it goes to show, without the right person at the helm, it can fall apart. And you only got to look at Apple to see what's, you know, what's happened. And just before we jumped on here, I was complaining about a brand new Apple laptop I've bought for thousands of pounds. And it's not working, you know, and it's just kind of like their customer service is absolutely awful. But I also feel like Microsoft would not hold up. So I think, you know, you've got to make sure, and bringing this back to Facebook ads, I think you've just got to make sure that the way businesses function and certainly in e-commerce you've got to make sure it's good it's a good way of functioning that actually if a customer does have an issue they can bring it back to you that actually when they google the business or the owner what they don't find is you know issues like we were talking about we work that actually they find some good news and some good press and a sort of you know we're currently planting trees around the world and 
you know, we have a, we're part of XYZ organization, which means we don't underpay our staff or, you know, I think things like this can be incredibly important to get that. A, get the conversion, B, keep the customers happy and C, you'll get the repeat orders. And anyone who's been listening to the last few episodes of my podcast will know how important it is to get repeat orders to make this work. So what are your thoughts about the repurchase cycle as well? And where Facebook fits into that. Coming back to, I think, what are the key to success of Facebook ads? I think really having a product or service that people can keep coming back and buying again, right? So I think, yeah, and I think that's so key nowadays because the reason why I say it is because Facebook ads are just getting more expensive, right? Like any channel, as more people are on it, it just gets more expensive. And I think Facebook is also trying to do away with like introducing new mediums or placements like Reels came out, Instagram Stories came out, and that was a way to combat like the raising costs. But I think as a business owner, you shouldn't be relying on Facebook to figure out how to get their CPMs lower. You just need to make a product that people can buy back again, right? So I think that's sort of key to success on the platform, but also the retention and sort of bringing customers back. But then going back to that, it's having great customer service. I think it helps no matter what, like having great emails. I think having a great story once someone buys. So in the front end, you have like a great direct response offer that's like, hey, try our product out you know, for like, you know, 20% discount. And then the back end, tell them your story, why they should keep come back again. And then you can do that through Facebook ads or like loyalty campaigns or through email. I think email is probably one of the best channels where you can tell your story or even through just having great customer service reps or online chat. Um, that's going to help customers come back to your store again. I, I believe in that. And I think customers and uh, business owners need to be thinking about that. When I was doing my first company, which is like a cleaning company, we were doing a lot. A lot of our business is recurring because of the nature of a maid service, right? Every week you get a cleaning. We need to make sure that that first cleaning is great every single time. And then we would email and text customers to be like, hey, we know you had a cleaning in a week. Uh, can you want another cleaning? And I think a key thing here is business owners don't remind people that they need things again. Yeah, and I think when I was doing the cleaning company the first like few months, I was like, oh no, if they like it, they'll come back. You never ever want to leave it to chance. I tell people like, why are you going to give it a chance? Like if someone knows, if you know they like your service, reach out to them. Like tell them, hey, you liked it last time. Cut it again. Like, oh yeah, because people forget, right? So that's sort of where I've learned to just be very proactive in, in this getting this repeat purchases. Definitely. And I think there's some really obvious things for repurchase, which is a phrase I made up today. I've never actually called it that before. So I don't know why I use that term. But you know what I mean? In terms of people making a second, a third, a fourth order. And I think there's obvious ones like, you know, food for you, your pets, etc. There's the, like you say, cleaning services you're going to need to be, you know, you're going to need to have your property cleaned again, provided we offered you a good service last time at a good price. There's no reason why you're not going to be back. You know, I mean, maybe it was a one off, but as long as we get 20, 30, you know, say we've got 20% of people coming back for at least a second time, or 20% of people going for a year, that's now 12 fold what we would get if they just used us once, you know, or if it's a weekly cleaning service, that's 52 fold for the year. You know, suddenly you start to multiplicate the revenue pretty quickly, which now means you're interesting to investors and you can actually start to scale the business up. Plus, you've got more cash coming in. So if you don't want to go down the investor route, you can just keep reinvesting more and more of that cash. You know, it all starts to really build from there. And I think, I mean, I personally ran a sunglasses business for a while um, on Shopify. We've closed it down now and sold the assets and everything else out. Part of the issue we had was we were like, people are coming back. You know, we're getting, I think, it's 8 or 9% or something. I think it was 8% of people coming back the second year for a second pair. But it was a year before they bought anything. And the fact they came back, when we did a customer survey, it turned out their glasses had actually broken. <laughs> and they liked them. So they came back and bought another one. But that wasn't the best reason to regain a, you know, a customer for a second purchase. And it was certainly nothing we did to get them back in. And I think, you know, as you say, it's so important that like, 
you know, there's, there's a business in the UK that I love at the moment called Crag Hoppers. I don't, I don't know if they sell in the US actually, I haven't checked, but Crag Hoppers, just, I'm, you can tell I'm growing up. The clothing is a bit more sensible than some of the stuff I used to wear, but it's really comfy. It's lifetime guarantee. And they've always got some really good offers on. It's not, you know, it's not any cheaper than anything else, but I always feel like I'm getting a good deal. Delivery's quick. Um, it's lifetime guarantee. And even the lifetime guarantee makes me feel like I can do what I want to this top. If it breaks, just get another one. You know, it's not, it's not disposable. And the, the reality is it's not broken at all. I've washed it 15, 20 times and, you know, it's jumper I bought is still soft, which actually, even though they've offered me a lifetime guarantee, so the chance of me making another sale on, on paper looks a bit lower. Actually, I'm now thinking I want to replace my whole wardrobe with from these guys. Like the clothing's so good. It stays soft after, after many washes and it's got a lifetime guarantee. Like what's not to like? Yeah, I think like that lifetime guarantee is so key. And I think it's a, a big marketing point. I think there's a company here that does that too called LL Bean. And that's the same reason why people buy their products. It's like, hey, that lifetime guarantee also is just great word of mouth marketing too. It's like, hey, look, this thing is lifetime guaranteed. Like, oh my God, really? Like, yeah, look, like, you, just, you just need to get it replaced once. And people are like, yeah, look, I didn't pay for it. Definitely. Right. Let's, I'm going to go to a slightly more controversial question, which I think you might disagree with. And I, I know you saw this in my email before we jumped on today. I recently did a podcast episode on here where I compared Facebook ads and Google ads. And I'll be honest, we had quite a few inquiries from people saying, hey, we'd love to work with you, um, especially on the Google ads side. So my conclusion was start with Google. People are typing stuff in. The sales and buying demand is already there. Whereas on Facebook, they're talking to their friends, whatever, and interactive marketing is what it's often called. But again, I concluded that Google is the best place for advertisers, it's a good place to start, etc. And I know you're going to disagree, and I'm really excited to hear what you're going to say on this. But what, what are your thoughts then on the Google versus Facebook debate? Google is good if you can afford the sort of high CPAs that they get. Yeah. So like, let's say you're selling a soap product, right? Like bar of soap. You can't compete on it. Like, you know, you have these big brands, I think, like, like Dove, any sort of big company that sells soap is probably going to be on Google Ads because they, they have all tons of other product suites or, or product lines that they can sell and they can cross sell their customers to other people. Um, so I think Google is great for that, but like only if you sort of had a good market penetration. And that's where I tell people, like, you, you want to go to Facebook ads because with Facebook ads, prices are much cheaper. And there, really, when you're talking about, thinking about Google ads, you're just really trying to... You, you can't be creative. You can't be telling people about your brand or your story. And then I think that's why Facebook ads is so important and why it, I think it's a great channel because on Facebook ads, that's really where you can go and say, hey, look, this is our story. This is the story of the founder. This is the story of the company. And that will sort of resonate differently than someone just looking for directly for like a soap product. So it's more of like obviously like disruptive marketing where like people maybe not looking for it, but if you can resonate and touch like people's feelings, then your Facebook ads will perform much better than Google ads. You know, you get more results, cheaper CPAs. Um, whereas Google ads, it's like someone needs a problem. I want, I need to get it fixed right now. Um, so it's a very different type of transaction you're doing in Google ads. And of course, both are, both are needed as you sort of scale your business, but I think in the beginning, I know I, I like Facebook ads because you can you can sort of really visually tell a story and get people to buy a product even though they don't really know they're needed yet. Sure, I think it's a really good point about the story side. Like a lot of the brands we work with are still trying to get the basics right. You know, I my main business in London, we call ourselves a consultancy, not an agency. So actually, people that are sort of saying like, you know, we we've just come from a traditional catalog background, we're trying to go digital, or we're launching our first digital business, we pick up quite a few clients like that. Plus, we've also got the clients who are really, really well known in the UK, you know, and certainly across the US and across Europe. And again, those guys, the, the challenge we always have is actually just trying to get the reporting right from Google to say, who looked up your brand name and who didn't? 
Whereas, you know, as you kind of said, on Facebook, you have a different set of targeting options. And I think what I've heard a lot over the years is a lot of people saying like, okay, Facebook advertising, apparently my mate from the pub, you know, that guy I met at the bar the other night, he told me that he's making a fortune off Facebook ads now, but he doesn't know why. He just knows he is. (laughs) And then when he turns his own Facebook ads on, he makes nothing. And then his friend says, you're not spending enough. So he spends loads more. And I've, I've seen this scenario quite a few times where it's like, oh yeah, Facebook, everyone on there is making billions, you know, billions of dollars. It's great. Let's all go on there. And the reality is then very different. Or as you said, straight away, the key metrics for success are not turning up. It's turning up, having the right content, the right story. And, you know, as you just said, I think the, the visualization of story is really, really powerful from Facebook. And in a sense, it's probably easier than Google, isn't it? Because you just, you create a video, you create some good stills. People can join the community on Facebook, you know, go and like our page for more updates, especially if it's a bit more of a kind of, you know, world-changing project as well as a brand. Whereas on Google, all of that's got to happen after they've clicked, if you've convinced them to click. And so actually like SEO and PPC can be a lot more, you know, a lot more difficult at that. And as you say, if you know exactly what you want, often it will come down to price or delivery times or what comes with this or can I subscribe because I always buy the same shower gel. I just don't know where else to find it. So how am I going to get hold of it regularly? Well, I'm going to go on Google and search subscription and see if it pops up on Amazon or somewhere else. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a really good point actually just about that visual storytelling. So what, what are some of the key components to that? So if someone was trying to write a new visual story now, so again, a lot of our listeners will be sitting there thinking, oh, cool, we're going to make a video. What, what's your advice? Like, yeah. is having a video enough or does it have to be a really good video and really well thought out video? So I think when you, if you think about, there's two things to think about here. There's one that's like the video quality and the production quality. I think for a Facebook ad, it's not really about the quality. Like anybody has a pretty decent camera now. Like five years ago, that was different. But like now with an iPhone, you have pretty decent quality. I think what's important is the content of the video, right? So really for a great video, it's, you really want to hook people into the content of the video. And I can think for a Facebook ad, the most important part is going to be the first three seconds. So the first three seconds needs to be something that's like just sticks out in people's minds. That's going to make them be like, oh, what is this product or thing, right? So so for example, I, we always tell the way we like to do our ads here for brands is like the first three seconds is going to be a, a really nice uh, direct response hook that's going to make us uh, make somebody just like stop and scroll. And then once you sort of get their attention in that sort of hook, you really then want to go into sort of the problem that, that exists, right? So tell people about the problem, you know, make, cause you want, cause they, they might not be problem aware. So you want to tell them, Hey, here's a problem that you have, right? And so, you know, take maybe 10 seconds to explain it. And then really what you want to do then is show people kind of like maybe yourself, your brand or your story. Um, say, Hey, like my name is Kevin Funder Boy Media. This is how I, I discovered the solution. And then once you sort of tell people like you discovered something, right? It's like the discovery story now. You then go into uh, testimonials, proof, saying, hey, look, now I'm going to show you that this thing that I discovered, remember, you, you still don't un- unveil your product yet. You just tell people the reviews because you, you build that trust up. And then once you show the testimonials of other customers, such as like uh, quotes or other video reviews, you then go into your product reveal. And then the product reveal then leads like them telling, hey, this is how all the story that I sort of told you for the last like, you know, 40 seconds, this is the product now, this is the price, go to my website and buy it. And that's the way you need to think about it. It's kind of like a hero's journey type story. Like when you read a book, right? It's like, hey, this person went through this hardship and then they went through this traveling, right? Think about like The Hobbit, right? Like, hey, like... Such a good film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? It's like, you think about it, it's like a hardship journey. Like what's a Gandalf, right? Remember Gandalf was like, hey, you need to go do- solve this. And like Frodo was like, I don't want to do it. And it's like, and then like the next day, it's like, 
oh my God, something happened that I have to go do it now, right? And it's like that sort of like awakening or, or a thing you discovered, you need to show people like, oh my God, like I do need this. Like, yeah, that's going to help me solve my issue, right? And, that, and I think when you tr- think about these sort of stories and hooks, you really need to think about something that's going to really attract a user. For example, like if you're saying like a medical product, I love like, uh, I need supplements or something like that. I, I think another great thing to think about is like, what's a one-liner hook that can really make your brand stand out, right? So for example, uh, let's say you're going to a doctor, right? So like, hey, how come this thing, how come doctors never get sick while treating all these sick patients? And you're like, oh yeah, why is that, right? And then now you're like, hey, look, this is why, because the doctor takes this medicine. And you're like, oh, I need to take that too, right? I love that example, actually, because we were joking around just before we hit record, weren't we? And I was sort of saying like, you know, like Apple's driving me flipping mad. And you were like, this sounds like the beginning of a Facebook video. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I should start that. But yeah, I think, I think as you say, the, the story is really powerful. I guess the big question I'm going to ask now is what's an example? I think Gandalf and, and the guys in The Hobbit is a good example, but what's an example then of a video people can go and check out? So one that you're like, this nails it, like absolutely nails it in terms of the story, the product, the execution, the pro- even, even with things that in the UK, we'd probably shy away from the price in the initial advert. The initial adverts are kind of like, you really need this. And then actually in the UK, we're like, oh, how much is it going to cost? You know, like, oh, I don't know. And then, then there's the big reveal. And if the price is too low, you don't want it. If it's too high, you don't want it. And there's magic factors. And so what's, what's an example of like a really good video that you guys have worked on or know of that, that people could check out? I think some really good brands that you can think about are, there's a company called Dr. Squatch. We've done like, we've done a whole podcast episode on them, actually. This is more of like, the people are probably aware of this. So there's something like soap. So it's like a men's soap company. And really, if you look at their Facebook ads, you can go to like the Facebook ad library, look at their first three seconds of their hook. It's always something that they know is going to get something, someone's attention, right? So this is a soap. So what they have is literally they'll have like a guy and a girl in like the bathroom together and be like, I love when my man smells good, right? So it's a very sexualized ad for men to buy their product saying, hey, because that's a man, right? You want to smell good for your girl. So then... They, they're tapping into these sort of like primal things that guys do. Sure. There's one hammering me at the moment. I don't know what this says about my... This is what everybody always says about Facebook and Google. I don't know what this says about my browsing history. But the, uh, the thing that's hitting me at the moment is like, it says like, all, all sexy men have beards. And of course, there's a guy and his girlfriend there straight away. And I don't have a beard, but I've all, I, I, could, I could grow a really nice one. I just know my girlfriend would hate it. So instantly, I'm like, okay, okay. Go on, give me the hook on this video. What is this? And it was actually a beard softening cream. And there was, and I was like, I didn't buy it in the end, but I was sitting there scratching my chin going like, yeah. oh, maybe I will. Maybe I will get this. And I think, you know, we're talking a lot about Facebook today, but Instagram as well is really powerful for this, isn't it? Having those kind of very emotive videos that talk about like, you know, life used to be like this and I suddenly discovered this thing and it's been amazing since. And you're listening to like your favorite sports player or celebrities telling you about all this stuff. You know, and then saying, and I'm nothing to do with the business. I just wanted to endorse it. So go and check it out. You know, it's, here's a link. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that, I think, can be really powerful as well, kind of with a kind of celebrity endorsement in the video, especially if it's someone who's doing good around the world. Like, you know, if Barack Obama was ever going to endorse a product, it would sell out, you know, especially if it was doing some social good. He never would, but if he did, it would be a, an amazing uptake on it. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It's, it sort of goes what you said, like, before. It's really, like, the way we, ca- we think about it, it's called, like, the life force eight, which is, like, the eight basic human instincts. Those should always be something that you think about in an ad or creative, right? And so I can, I can sort of, List them down if you want. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Sounds like, sounds like a great shout. So basically, like, number one, it's going to be like survival, enjoyment of life, life extension, right? This is why supplements do well because people want to live longer, right? So 
Two, it's like enjoyment of food and beverages. Like everybody needs to eat, right? So if your product's a food product, you always want to get healthier. Um, that's another thing about. Three is like free, uh, freedom from fear, pain, or danger, right? So that's another one that you maybe... How do you apply that to your sort of creatives? Four, obviously, we just talked about, which is like sexual companionship, which is like a basic human need. That's always something that you see in almost every ad for like any big company. Five is like comfortable living conditions. We want to live well. Six, to be superior, winning, keeping up with the Joneses, right? That's what we call it, where it's like, you just like want to look good, smell good, right? Why do like luxury brands, they always sort of, hey, like portray that sort of thing of like, hey, look at who you can be, right? Like nice cars, nice homes. Seven is a care, protection of loved ones. And then eight, social approval. I think that's the biggest one that people love. So really, these sort of techniques and sort of mindset is really what you should be thinking about. Like, where can your product fit in one of these eight? And sort of how do you apply that to your brand or business? Because that's going to make it more powerful because this is just how people think, right? So that's how we that's how we think about you know, your brands. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. And as soon as you're reading that list out, I'm sure so many people like myself are sitting there going, yeah, I've seen another like that today, one like that today, one like that. I mean, even sitting in my office, I'm just looking around some of the things here and I've got a packet of coffee, which just has the word rich. So obviously it's, I'm just going to be a rich blend of coffee and instantly as an emotive, like as you say, food and beverage is going to taste nice. I've also got next to it some, uh, I've started eating porridge. It's one of my, not a new year's resolution, but a new lockdown resolution was to eat porridge for breakfast instead of bacon and eggs. And even that there, it's got this beautiful bowl of porridge and it's all about health and, you know, the color scheme's really soft on it. So it's all about, I'm going to feel really good and comfortable here and, and stuff like that. So I completely hear what you're saying. And I think, I think I, I use this phrase a lot and it'd be interesting to see what you think about this, but I use the phrase a lot that marketing has been lost from digital marketing. However, everything you've spoken about today is the opposite. It's actually putting the, you know, putting the sting back into online marketing. Like when you, you know, you've mentioned TV, TV is a very good marketing channel for marketing. So is press. So is when you walk into a shop, so are films, all this sort of stuff. Yet you go online and you go on Google and it's like text ads that just say like, world's most powerful or we're the most expert SEO agency. And it's like, what does that even mean? You all claim to be experts. Tell me something new. Like, you know, if you know what my problem is, you know, I'm trying to do uh, bilingual um, or multi-language SEO. Now we're talking. What, what do you think about that? The whole kind of like marketing is was so prominent offline, yet online it's either like fully front of face, like YouTube and Facebook stuff, or it's completely gone. Like, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's like the TV stuff is interesting because what I'm seeing now, it's like a lot of this like, direct response stuff is like coming back to like Facebook and yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's like number one best thing or like the best product in the world. I mean, I, I think it's going to, for me, I think it's going to get even bigger than that just because like these platforms are just making it more possible to target really people very specifically. So I think with TV ads, it was like more, more just like generalized type of marketing. I don't know. It's like, it's like tough because for me, like I would love to do more direct response stuff because it, for me, it makes more sense and it's like, it gets more customers and, I love like that long sales letters, long video sales letters of like, like kind of like infomercials, right? I think those do. I think people are doing them offline a lot, but like you know, late night TV commercials, they they perform well. There's a reason why people keep doing them, but I think people people didn't bring that to Facebook ads or even to like Google ads yet, and um, I think it's happening more now. At least in some of the spaces I'm in that I see, I'm like, oh, this is like selling so well, and I'm looking at some people's numbers, and I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy how like this 60 minute pitch works and it's giving you a cheaper CPA than people that don't have this. Right. So no, it's interesting. All right. We're, we're going to have to stop stuff in a minute and, and say goodbye, but 
Before we do, a couple of really quick fire questions in, because I really want to get these in, because I think there'll be a lot of use, again, for people listening today on this. First one is, there's loads of different campaign types, obviously. Lookalike audiences, text ads, messenger ads. What, what's your recommendations on like where to focus? Like, Do you get super technical with all the detailed AI-optimized campaigns, or actually just get the most amazing advert, and then you can kind of chuck it in lots of different places as a test and see what, what, what's the approach in terms of campaign types for you? Yeah, so for us, really the campaigns that we're doing are always lookalikes. Lookalikes always do well. So if you don't have any lookalikes, let's say you're a brand new brand, you can just really do interest groups. Interests are doing pretty well for us still. Even at scale, we're running interests um, just because like Facebook is really good at it. But then, of course, it's going to be just like the feed ads. Newsfeed ad, um, and that's on Instagram newsfeed, and then mobile newsfeed. So the key thing is you can run desktop ads as well. But what you'll see and sort of people notice is that the algorithm will just automatically just favor the mobile. So really the key thing is mobile, nice mobile looking ads are like square, the one by ones that Facebook calls them. But at the same time, I think having a great mobile website is going to be so important for those campaigns because if you don't have a great mobile website, then you can just do desktop only ads, but then your CPA will be much higher. So I think like we love mobile because it's still so cheap. So I would recommend mobile video ads. But again, like images sometimes do much better. So then, then video. So it's so it's sort of like you have to just try both. Yeah, certainly. And I think I mean part of the reason I asked is that lookalikes are going so well for some of our clients that we're running them for. I've been quite shocked when people have sort of said, you know, like, oh, let's get all detail with this technical stuff. Let's target this group, this group, this group. And sometimes it's like, let's just let Facebook do the hard work. Let's just go right. We'll just get lookalikes of anyone who's gone through the cart of our website, and we'll have this nice, passionate video or still saying what we do. And again, as you say, the responses are just so high on it. Like, why would you then, you know? It, Almost there's no point looking elsewhere until you've exhausted that as a channel, I think. Yeah, and even like lookalikes, you can get you can do so much with lookalikes. Like for example, you probably probably don't do this, Nick, it's like purchase lookalike. We also another one that's doing really well for us is like add to card greater than two. So think about any event that you have with Facebook. People also do like the first one, but do anything more than once, like website visitors, people that have been to a website more than five times, right? So it's like, okay, these people are super interested. Let me make a look like these. Sure. I think, I mean, it's so valuable piece of information, just about the add to cart more than twice. Because I think there's, there's showing buying intent, as you can tick as a box on Facebook Pixel or within Google, if you're running display advertising and stuff, but actually adding to cart more than once. I mean, it's such a strong indication that there's an intent to buy. We've also done lookalikes with abandoned basket orders and stuff like that. So where someone's had an abandoned basket and then purchased later, almost they're sort of more susceptible to advertising. Therefore, we definitely want to target these guys. And again, we've seen some really interesting uh, interesting results from that. Yeah. I mean, we love doing lookalikes. They just work so well. And then obviously like 1% to 10% just as well as we sort of like scaling up. Yeah. We, we don't like go anything crazy. We like to do auto placements and just let Facebook do the work for us. Like, I don't, I'm a big believer of like, I'm not going to be smarter than the AI. So let me let Facebook do its work and let me just work on what I can control, which is the landing page, the creatives and the copy. Sure. I think that's a very good point. Like I, I've, I've always been a little bit nervous of AI and partly because I want to show our expertise, but actually sometimes if you could couple the two together. So we, like I say, we go back to having a killer marketing campaign rather than just focusing on like, you know, we've got the best tech, we've got the best ERP system that can pull out the most dynamic product lists for customers. All that's great. But if you don't have a decent campaign with a decent product that people want to buy, it's all completely wasted, isn't it? Like we did an experiment years ago where we took all the marketing materials from a business and they basically launched a, they copy and paste their website and just changed the product to something else. And we used all the same campaigns and like none of them worked. It was a similar price point, similar type of product, but just 
just a bit different. So like one was a product you would put in one corner of, of your room and then one was a product you put in the other corner. And it was like the people did not go for corner B because they just didn't like it. One was like, I think one was a table, one was a floor lamp. People loved the tables. They didn't love the floor lamps. So we had to rebuild an entire, you know, from scratch marketing, uh, marketing proposal sort of thing. So uh, yeah, completely different, which is amazing. But um, just before we disappear, Kevin, any other top tips while we're here? Anything else, like your catchphrase, the sort of thing you're always going on about that you think be useful for our listeners today? I think, like, obviously we talked a lot about Facebook ads here, but I think if you're sort of creating a lot of these sort of assets for Facebook and Instagram, I think uh, business should be thinking about YouTube as well. It's still part of Google, you probably know that, but I think YouTube is another one of those platforms that is kind of like early of early Facebook where targeting isn't that great, but there's so much people on YouTube. So I think if you're thinking about scaling, YouTube is another great channel, especially because it's a very similar platform to Facebook, which is like all video. So just be, I think people need to be thinking about that and just be like, hey, I can, I can really do a lot of retargeting on YouTube. And also it's more like YouTube is very great for like educational stuff. So like if you have a product that requires education, really think about it and really where it makes, makes sense. For example, you have like a beauty product. There's so many beauty bloggers on, on YouTube. And what makes YouTube great at the moment is you can really Say like I have a, let's say Nick, you have like a beauty blog, a beauty channel. I can really, I can put in your YouTube channel and target people that are going to your YouTube channel specifically. So that's so powerful. And like, again, you can do that with any sort of business, right? So like Facebook ads, we have a course. There's a lot of people teaching Facebook ads on YouTube, right? So go in front of all these people teaching the Facebook ads courses for free and then say, Hey, look, I have a, I have a better paid course and this is it, right? So I think YouTube is a great channel. So I would, people yeah 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 we we actually had a with an influencer come back to one of our clients and they were so expensive that we wanted to use so we just advertised across their channel anyway i think the advertising cost the same but we had because it was an advert we had tons of people coming into our in straight into our site rather than someone on the video telling them go and check this out it was like people were just coming straight to us and we were only paying for the people obviously that were clicking and yeah it's such a such an interesting way of uh, way of doing stuff so um yeah youtube is awesome I, and it's like you know it's like you only pay if someone like clicks after what 15 seconds right or something like that so five seconds yeah well look, kevin thank you so much for joining us today it's been really really good to have you and i hope everybody listening has got um as much out of this as i have certainly i've been taking notes from almost half the stuff you've been saying i'm going to make sure my team listen to uh listen to this podcast episode back so thank you so much for being with us today kevin thanks Nick. thanks for having me and yeah pleasure to be here cool as i said earlier check out kevin's podcast I'll link to it at the bottom. I'm going to be on it in the next couple of weeks anyway. So I don't know if we've got a launch date for it yet, but we're recording in the next few days. So we'll have, uh, we'll have something up on there. So everybody else who's been listening, we've got our SEO series. I've been talking about it for ages and we've got an SEO series kicking off next Friday. So make sure you listen to the podcast. We're breaking it into four parts, the four important parts of SEO. So we've got keywords in part one. Then we've got technical and content in parts two and three. I don't know which way around we're going to do them yet. And then we've also got offsite as part four. So we'll be covering keywords, technical content and offsite across the next four weeks. So make sure you tune in. Feel free to reach out to Kevin if you want any support from his agency. You guys are US based, aren't you? Yeah, we're running in New York City. Awesome. So yeah, feel free to reach out to those guys if you want or come to our business if you need any support as well. But thanks so much again, Kevin. We'll be back again next Friday with the SEO series. And if you want to support the show, check us out on Facebook. Thanks a lot. And we'll speak to you again soon. Sign up for free for the Shopify-approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.